One, Forever Alone, is an ongoing story-based podcast and is a work of fiction by J.A. Larocque. You can find this podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Chapter 10 A Letter to Nobody My eyes darted across the room. She was nowhere to be found. The room was empty, but my mind could not accept that. The noise I heard, it was real. A painful answer. That is what the second scream gave me. Identical to the first, I spun around, finding where it came from. The television in her room was on. A DVD menu was playing, repeating the screams from a horror movie. I couldn't contain my anger. I grabbed the television and pulled it from its stand, smashing it onto the floor. The shattering of the glass and the smell of the burning wires brought with it a satisfaction, as if an object could feel my wrath. Exhausted, I slumped down on Christine's desk chair. I held my head in my hands. I could feel despair creeping over me. A swarm of thoughts filled my mind. Why was I unable to jump from my balcony? Was there a reason I was left behind? It couldn't be to have memories of Jonathan or to watch my neighborhood slowly burn to the ground. Was I being punished for something? And if so, for what? Was this to be part of my torment? To sit in Christine's room, alone, just felt unnatural. I could still smell her. The scent of her was still in the room like a ghostly presence. I closed my eyes and took in her scent. It was almost as if I could feel her. I opened my eyes and stared angrily at the DVD player. I quickly thought about the emotional reaction one can get from music or even a video game. I allowed myself to feel false hope from a scream from a B-rated horror movie. My attention was taken away by Christine's fish tank. It was a gift from her best friend Lola for her 16th birthday. The tank held 30 gallons and it was the pride of Christine's room. She cared for that tank and the fish inside as if they were her own children. She would inform Lola about any new fish or changes to the tank. At one time, she had over 10 fish, but I could not find even one. I had to stand and check again. I bent over and searched the tank for any signs of the fish. No matter the emergency, there would be no way anyone would take fish with them. A vision like a flashback appeared in my mind. A sight from earlier. There were no pigeons in the sky, no dogs or even insects that I could see. Impossible. It was the only conclusion I could come to. Was that whatever caused everyone to disappear also affected animals, insects, all living things, except me. It was painful to consider that. To begin to accept the unbelievable was unacceptable. I needed to sit back down 
I returned to Christine's desk and I laid my head down desperately trying to figure out what to do next. If I was willing to accept that everyone could disappear in an instant, then I could also reasonably believe that all of this could be reversed. Although, there was still the question of why I was the only one left. However, that speculation had not yet been confirmed. My hand must have brushed against Christine's mouse. Her monitor turned on. Its bright light caused me to lift my head and look. She had her email client open. There were several unopened emails, none of any consequence. Under her sent items was an email sent to Lola at 11.15 with the subject line, New Fish. Christine attached a picture. I opened it and saw a picture of the fish tank. Inside there were clearly 11 fish. There was no denying it. The fish were moved. But the question was, how? Then I saw something else. One letter was left in her drafts folder. It was addressed to me and saved at 1128. It did not have a title. I clicked on it and thought back to our conversation and the matter of importance that she mentioned. Part of me did not want to read it. Emotion. But the main part of my logic had no choice in the matter. Timothy, I didn't want it to happen this way. Not in the email, but I'm afraid I wouldn't be able to do this face to face. And for that, I'm sorry. After everything you've been through, we've been through, I'm ashamed I couldn't do this. With what I've done, I should have been stronger than this. But after taking a hard look inward, I learned that I wasn't. Please believe me when I tell you that I never intended to make your life any harder than it already was. Honestly, I hope that I could have made it better. After the incident with Jonathan, I knew things would be harder, but I also knew that I was partly responsible. Taking a page from you, I was willing to adapt and accept your changes, even your new friends. But after what happened with your father, I knew nothing would ever be the same. To be caught between coming to grips with what happened and trying to rebuild your life, I knew it would be a long road back. I know you don't like to talk about the past, but even though you said you had adapted, I could see that a piece of you was lost. All I wanted was to be there for you and help you during that time. It killed me being away from you so long, but when we began seeing each other, again I prayed things would return to some level of normality. Perhaps that was too much to wish for. Your mom and my parents told me I should stay away that there was nothing I could do. I didn't want to believe that. While I knew there was nothing I could do that could fill that void inside you, I did hope that I could make life easier for you. I just wish I knew what happened that day. You seemed to be better, but then you were gone. Your mom wouldn't tell me what happened until later when I asked. Please understand that I still love you but I'm not strong enough to keep it together. I can't hide it away 
and I can't keep secrets. Not like that. I knew that if I stayed around, I would shatter your world, and even though in my heart I felt it would be the best thing, I couldn't do that to you or your family. I can't believe that what happened to you could be so easily dealt with. It's not something you just adapt to. Even with what I saw firsthand, I know the wound will never close. It will never heal, no matter what your family does. Do you ever wonder, Timothy, what happens when you adapt to a lie? When you reshape your nightmare into a walking dream, missing the message that it was meant to tell? I know you hate this kind of talk. Maybe I should just tell you it just stopped. Was it unfinished or abandoned? What she wrote didn't make sense. She talked about what happened between Jonathan and I, but she should have known that I never blamed her for that. I searched her computer, looking for anything to help make sense of her email. After my father's death, I remembered not seeing anyone for a few days, but she made it sound as if I had gone away for a long time. There was more now than just finding out where everyone was. I had to find out what Christine was talking about. She mentioned her parents as well as my mother asking her to stay away. My mother would never do that. She often bugged me about not spending enough time with Christine, so to try and keep her away from me just didn't add up. Maybe from her point of view, I was too quick to accept what happened after my father's death. After she lost her grandmother, Christine wasn't the same for months. If she saw something in me based on how she thought one should grieve, then perhaps that could explain some of it. I couldn't shake her last thought about adapting to a lie and reshaping a nightmare. The only nightmare I knew was the one I was currently in. There was so much missing from this puzzle and I hated missing pieces. If there was a reason for me being left alone, then what Christine wrote had to be a clue to it. Nothing in her room would help me find an answer. The only thing I could do was search for the truth and pray that one answer would help lead me to the other. Next time, chapter 11.